Amen. Amen. You may be seated, and as you are, if you will open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. If you have the Version Bible app, you can open that up as well and follow along with the points and the scriptures today. As we continue this series we've been in for a few weeks that we are calling Fierce 40, based off of our 40 days of being in the Word. If you're new to our church family or you're just hearing about this for the first time, uh, about a month ago, I challenged us as a church to spend 40 days together reading through the Word of God. And, and we're reading very specific uh, passages and stories. We are reading through uh, the Psalms, which is worship. We're reading through Proverbs, which is wisdom, and reading through some different scriptures in the New Testament, which represents the Word. Today's day 28, so if you're behind, catch up, okay? There's no prizes at the end. We're not giving out trophies. Just, just catch up. This is just about being in the Word. Jump in tomorrow. If you're new and you haven't gotten involved, there's a card like this on those round tables as you leave. Grab one and jump in, and I guarantee you, if you follow along you read with us, you're going to be encouraged and you're just going to, uh, God's just going to begin to do some great things in your life. Anybody seen that as you've been reading Fierce 40 over the last 28 days? Amen. Anybody? Good, good. I know you are. I know you're being encouraged by that. So today, we're going to look at uh, the New Testament part of what we've been reading. We have been reading, we, the last couple weeks, we kind of unpacked Proverbs, we looked at Psalms. Well, today we're going to look at the book of Romans. And I want to read the first seven verses this morning of the book of Romans. And, and Paul does a great job in these verses just telling us about what he's going to tell us, okay? So let's hear what he says. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the old scriptures in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith in his namesake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We've been saying over the last few weeks that when you read the Word, the Word does what? The Word reads you. You're getting that. And uh, there's been a lot of I'd say some funny things, and, and we could actually probably have a, a side series called Fierce 40 Funnies. Anybody read things in the Bible and you're like, you know, that's kind of funny. Uh, Tressa read something yesterday morning to me. I walked out to start making a pot of coffee, and she was sitting on the couch reading Fierce 40. Fierce 40. She said, I have the verse for the day, and it was Proverbs 7, 27, 14. And she read it to me. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Well, I told you last week that, that there's not a lot of morning people in my house. And so I understood what she was saying. So when she walked out this morning, I said, hey, good morning. Hope you're going to have a good day or whatever. Now, then Friday, I was, as I was studying Romans, getting ready to preach today, 
I read a verse and I was like, hey, that's pretty good. And Pastor Josh was at the church doing some work, getting ready. And I walked in, I said, hey, Josh, I said, I have found your life verse and my life verse in the same verse. And it's in Romans chapter 14. Look at this. It says, for instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables. Now, if you've seen Pastor Josh and you've seen me, you know who eats anything. Why are y'all laughing so hard? And you've seen the person who only eats vegetables. I mean, Pastor Josh has a bag of, I just think it's grass. It's leaves. It's in the refrigerator with a thing of hummus. He does not have to worry about me getting into his lunch. That is for sure. But we had a good laugh and, and talked about that. But, you know, the Bible has all kinds of things to say to us, and one of the things I've noticed as I've been reading through Romans, and we read Romans during Fierce 40 a couple of weeks ago, is that there's a lot of verses in the book of Romans that are what I'm going to call Scripture snippets. They're verses that you've heard before that maybe were on the YouVersion Bible app or it was the verse of the day on his radio or different things like that. And Scripture snippets are great. I mean, you might hear a, a verse in the morning. It's kind of like getting a B12 shot. You know, you get a, you get a v, B12 shot, and it just gives you that jolt of energy. And sometimes you just need that verse to kind of kick you in the pants and get you going for the day. And that's okay. But if we're going to grow in our faith, and if we're going to stand strong in our faith, and if we're going to, most importantly, share our faith, we need more than just Scripture snippets. We need to be getting into the Word of God more than just a verse here or there. Let me put it to you like this. How many of you have ever flown on an airplane and gotten that giant bag of peanuts that they give you when you start a flight? Okay, you know I'm being uh, sarcastic big time because they give you this tiny little bag of peanuts and you're like, really? Is this the best you can do? Well, you know, if I told you today that every day this week, you get one bag of peanuts, one of those little airline bags of peanuts to eat, and that's the only thing you get to eat every day for seven days, you would first of all say, number one, you're crazy. Number two, I, I didn't think it was January and we were doing the whole 21 days of, of fasting thing, but you would be like, that won't work for me because I need two to three meals a day. I need the protein. I need the vitamins. I need the sugar. I need whatever it is to get me through the day because you'd say, that's not enough, Right? Well, that's kind of how it is with the Word of God. Sometimes when all we do is grab a snippet here or there, all we're doing is get a, getting a, a bag of airplane peanuts when if we really open up the Word, like I hope you've been doing during Fierce 40, and you, you get a little bit more, I need a lot of the Word to keep me going. I need a lot of the Word to keep me straight. Any of you need more than one verse to keep you right? to keep you straight, to keep your mind in the place where it needs to be. And so this morning, we are going to dig in a little bit to uh, the book of Romans. Now, here's what I want to say about the message this morning. The message today is a very cognitive message. You know what that means? It means you're going to have to think. Okay, that means I hope you got enough coffee, okay? Uh, Tom was walking in this morning with a cup of coffee. I said, how many cups is for that? How many cups is that for you this morning? He said, four, okay? So Tom's ready to go, okay? So I hope you're ready to go this morning because this message, it, it's going to feel like, man, this is a lot of information, 
And I am going to give you a lot today, but here's the thing. If you can wrap your brain around what we're going to share today, I really believe it can transform the way you read Scripture and the way you look at Scripture because we're going we're gonna to go deep sea diving. Okay, we're going to go deep sea diving today in the book of Romans. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter 1. And we're going to begin to look through the book of Romans today. So let's talk a little bit about Romans, okay? Backstory of Romans, okay? Romans is in the New Testament. It's the sixth book in the Bible. It follows Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, Acts, and then Romans. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote it around 57 A.D. on his third missionary journey. Paul, Acts tells us, went on three missions trips. And it was at the end of the third missions trip that he wrote this letter to the church in Rome. Now, sometimes we don't think about Romans as being like a letter, but it was a letter. It was a pretty long one, but he wrote it to a church in Rome that had two groups of people. There were Christian Jews and Christian Gentiles together in the church of Rome. Now, I want you to know, and this is, this is important to know when it comes to understanding the book of Romans, that unlike some of the other churches, Paul did not plant or start the church at Rome. He just had heard about it and was trying to encourage them and wanted to make a trip there to see them. So for us to understand Romans and everything he unpacks, we need to understand who Paul is, okay? So let's go to Philippians 3. We're going to jump out of Romans for a minute. And you guys, if you're following along, you're reading Fierce 40, you read this verse this week. In Philippians 3, Paul tells us who he is. Watch. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if ever there was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, listen at this, I obeyed the law without fault. Now, can anybody tell me what Paul's name was before it was Paul? It was Saul, right. And we meet Saul in the book of Acts. And bef before we get to know who Paul is, we need to know who Paul was was Paul was Saul now who was Saul Saul was a descendant of Abraham and the tribe of Benjamin and that's key to understand because we know that this whole thing started with Abraham Isaac and Jacob right okay he says I am in the family line if he if he would have done an ancestry.com he would have found out that he'd been traced all the way back to Abraham and also the tribe of Benjamin so Abraham's grandson was Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. And the youngest son, Benjamin, was the tree from which Saul said he could trace his lineage. So he's pretty Hebrew, y'all. I mean, he's got, he's got a great lineage. So he becomes, because of that, he becomes a Pharisee. Now that should be familiar to you, because when you read the story of Jesus, you hear that Jesus is always having trouble with who? The Pharisees. He's always battling and fighting with them. and They're the ones who had him killed among other religious leaders. And he is a passionate and devoted follower of the Torah. Now, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. 
He was really into the, the old law and all those traditions. And as a Pharisee in that first century church, he saw Jesus and his followers as a threat. So much so that he persecuted the church. Acts, the first chapters of Acts tell us about Saul and how he purposely persecuted the church. But in Acts chapter 9, Saul is on his way to persecute the church and Jesus speaks to him and he appears to him, knocks him off of his horse, transforms his life. His name is changed from Saul to Paul and now let's learn who now Paul is. So we know who Saul is, who Paul was. Now who's Paul? Well, Paul says, when he's writing about himself, he says, I am an apostle of Jesus. I was chosen by the will of God. I mean, okay, what happened to this guy? At one point, follow me, he was a Pharisee having Christians killed. Now he says, I am an apostle of Jesus, sharing the good news about Jesus. His Jewish name was Saul. He changed his name to Paul, a Roman name, so that he could connect with the Gentiles. He traveled all around the Roman world telling people about Jesus. And as people would receive Christ, they would be baptized. He would help them form churches. And then he would spend his career on these missionary journeys, writing letters to these churches, encouraging in their faith, answering their questions, and telling them about Jesus. And he would go on to write 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament. Fox's Book of Martyrs tells us that Paul was beheaded. He gave his life as a martyr at the hands of Nero in Rome in 66 AD. So when we open the book of Romans, what do we find in the book of Romans? What is that book all about? Well, as we said, it was a letter of Paul. And again, we don't think about it being as a letter, but it was his longest and most significant letter. We don't think about it as a letter because it's so long. It's 16 chapters long. But really, more than being a letter, it was more like a, a theological essay. Some people say that, that Romans is the best book in the Bible. That above all of them, it, it is the greatest book because what it does, it marries everything that we hear in the Old Testament about the law and everything that Jesus teaches in the Gospels and puts them together and says, this is how you take the Old Testament and you take the New Testament and you put them together and this is how you live it out. That's what the book of Romans is essentially all about. It's the basic gospel. It's salvation. It's righteousness by faith through God by faith. It is Christian doctrine. It's salvation, grace, faith, righteousness, justification, sanctification, all these big words that we they hear about. So why did why was Romans written? Here's the question I, I want to ask you. So why did he write this book in the first place, okay? And this is important for us to understand if we're going to understand what he wrote. First of all, he wrote it to introduce himself to the believers in Rome, okay? They didn't know who he was, okay? And secondly, to develop and defend the truth of the gospel he had been preaching. So this church in Rome, remember, he didn't start it, and none of the other apostles, 
John, James, Peter, Philip, none of them had been to Rome, so Paul wanted to get the information to them about the gospel. He also used this to encourage them to depend on grace, God's grace. Grace, you're saved by grace through faith and to help mend this relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. Because here's the thing, in that church, you had Jewish Christians who said, to be saved, you got to follow all the law, and you still need to be doing these things. And you had Jewish Gentiles who said, we're free, we don't have to follow the law, and they're both in the same church. That would have caused some division. You know, you think we have division sometimes in the church over music and carpet and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, they had major division over these things in the Word. But the main thing, one of the main things that Paul wanted to do was he knew that if he could get this church going and it would be strong, that it could be a launching point for him to further his ministry further west all the way to Spain. Does the Bible say that? Yeah, it says it late in the book of Romans. It tells us that as he was planning all of this, he if, if he would have made it past that third missionary journey, he was planning a fourth missions trip to plant a church in Spain. You couldn't stop Paul. The only thing that could stop him was when Nero cut his head off. He was trying to spread the gospel everywhere that he possibly could. And here's why Paul is so important and why he was the man for the job. We said a while ago that Paul was a Pharisee, that that was his background. And then we said that Paul was now an apostle of Jesus. So Paul was specifically chosen because here's a man who can stand in the middle of two different groups of people, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians, and bring them together. And God specifically chose him to do that. And we've been, we've been using this guide, this fierce 40 guide, to get intentional about our Bible reading. But it, when it comes to being fierce, I would say that there's nobody outside of Jesus who is more fierce and intense and passionate about Jesus and the gospel and the saving message of God than Paul. He was fierce. He was determined that whatever it took, he was going to get the gospel out there. And so, in the book of Romans, he Romans is basically, basically one long, flowing expiration of the gospel. It's Paul describing in more detail, like I said a while ago, marrying the, the traditions and the law of the Old Testament and the gospel of Jesus. And so, in that letter to the Romans, Paul shares four things about the gospel. Now, I want to say that these things I got, some of, the, some of what I'm going to share with you comes from a from an awesome ministry group called The Bible Project. They've got some incredible videos on YouTube that you've probably seen. Some of those videos are actually on our church app. But they've got a, a video that teaches and breaks down Romans. And, and a lot of what I'm going to share with you this morning came from that. And if you're using the YouVersion Bible app, there's actually a link to one of those videos. And you'll go watch that later on, and it's pretty cool. But what Paul does in this letter to the Romans, he does four things. 
He says this, the gospel does four things. It reveals God's righteousness, it creates a new humanity, it fulfills God's promise to Israel, and it unifies the church. That's what the gospel does. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to walk through the, four, the first four chapters of the book of Romans and understand what Paul meant. Now, you're going to be glad to know that this message was originally the entire book of Romans. And I got to yesterday afternoon and looked at all my pages, and I kept flipping, and I'm like, man, I'm going to have them there till Christmas. So we're going to break this message up. We're going to cut this sandwich in two, and we're going to eat half of it today, Romans 1 through 4, and next week we're going to eat the other half. Okay, you with me? Say, I'm with you. All right, here we go. I know it's a rainy day. You're probably just thinking about, you know, Getting home and getting those pajamas this afternoon, okay? Stay with me, and, and, and I'll get you at home in those pajamas, all right, for the afternoon. But I think if you can help me this morning and see this, you're going to see something today that's really going to strengthen and bolster your faith, okay? Everybody ready? All right, are you ready at home who's watching? It's too wet for you. We know who you are, okay? It's, it's good. It's good you're here. You're watching. So watch this, okay? Now, in the book of Romans... In the first chapter, I said a while ago, there's these verses that we call Scripture snippets. Remember when I said that? Those little verses that you hear that are on the radio or it's the verse of the day that, that comes on social media. And there's a lot of verses in, from Romans that are like that. And one of them is the first one I want you to see. It's in chapter 1. It's Romans 1.16. It's one of the most quotable verses in all the Bible where Paul says this. Everybody read it with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Okay? So let's talk about why that verse is so important. When Paul opens up the book of Romans and he's talking to this church, he begins by saying, okay, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. And what I'm going to tell you is that Jesus came. He was sent by God. He came to bring everybody who was away from God to God. He is the ruling king. He came to create a new humanity. He came to create people who would follow after him and believe in him. And, and I am not ashamed. I am bold about what I'm going to tell you. And what I'm going to say to you, because remember... In that church were two groups of people. There were the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. Don't miss this or you'll be lost today because this is why he wrote the book. He said, verse 16, 16 lines in, he says, I'm not ashamed of what I'm going to tell you. Jewish Christians and Christian Christians, Gentile Christians rather, because this together is the power of God for salvation for the Jew first and for the Gentile. So that's the first thing he says. But then he takes a hard right turn and he starts unpacking the problems of the Gentiles. So he looks at the Gentiles believers, all right? So we're going to say this side of the church is the Gentiles, okay? He looks at the Gentile side and says, all right, I'm going to talk to you guys who were not born Jewish. You got some big problems, y'all. Y'all are really away from God. I mean, you're, you're incredibly sinful and, 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 and just, just can't seem to get things right. And he goes through this list in, in chapter 1 where he runs the list of all the things that when people abandon God, what they will do. And the list goes on and on and on and on. But 
Look at Romans 1, 29 and 31. He says, Gentiles, here's where you're at. You have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. You're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossipers, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Now, I don't know about you, but on a side note, when I read that, that could be the headline of the Savannah Morning News for life in 2020. Does anybody else see that? So, before we get too boastful, you and I are in that list. Don't say, I didn't eat me. No, no, you're in there. I'm in there. We're all in there. Because we're the Gentiles. And he's, he is reading them their mail. Guys, you're a mess. You got all this stuff going on. You're so far from God. I just told you about it. But man, you're a, you're a long way from God. And he's saying to them, look, you have become trapped in this spiral of sin and selfishness. The human heart is broken. You've turned to idolatry. Everything in this world you find significance in outside of God. You've made idols of everything that there possibly could be in this life, and you are away from God. And God, the Father, and the judge steps up to the judge's table. And he looks at you on this side of the church, the Gentiles, and says, you are guilty as charged, guilty of sin. End of chapter 1. Wow. Chapter 2, we open up, and a scripture snippet from chapter 2 is the first verse of chapter 2. And look at what he says here. He says, you therefore have no excuse. Now, Let's see if you guys how smart you are this morning, okay? Who is he talking to now when he says, you therefore have no excuse? Now he's looked at this side of the church, okay? Y'all in the middle, y'all get off today, okay? He looks at this side of the church, the Jewish Christians, and he says, you have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. Because you know how we are, okay? When somebody else is getting read the riot act, chapter 1, he's over here, he's letting it fly on the Gentiles. And now he comes over here to the Jewish side of the church, and, and he's about to tell them something, and they're like, yeah, that's right, Gentiles, y'all are pretty messed up. You know, we're the people of God, and, and, we, and we, we, we're, we were chosen by God, and we're separate by God, and, and we've got it going, going on. And he turns to them and says, you, therefore... Gen I'm sorry, Jewish Christians, you have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, look at the scripture, for whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. You heard me run the list on them, but you do the same things. You're idolatrous, you're away from God, your heart is broken and evil inside. And then he pushes it to another level. He looks at the Jewish Christians and he said, on top of that, you're more guilty than they are. What? Yeah, you're more guilty than they are. You know why? Because they didn't know any better. They didn't have the Ten Commandments and the laws and all those things. You had the Ten Commandments and 163 of Mosaic laws and you still couldn't follow God. 
You created idols in the desert and you ran away with wild women and you served false kings and the whole Old Testament is a big mess, you crazy Jewish people. You think the Gentiles are crazy? Y'all are crazy. You're a mess. He looks at them and says all of that. And so then he steps back and says, you know, based on what I see here, Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians, all humanity is hopeless, trapped. And again, God the Father steps to the podium as judge and he says, guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. End of chapter 2. Now, thank God there's 14 more chapters. That would be a depressing first two chapters, right? Chapter 3, if you're turning, look at chapter 3 in Romans. Chapter 3, verse 10, Paul sums up kind of everything he's been saying, and he quotes the Old Testament, and he says, as it is written in the Old Testament, there is how many righteous, y'all? No one. Not even one. He's looking at this church, and he's saying there's no one righteous no Christian Gentiles who are righteous. There are no Christian Jews who are righteous. Nobody's got their act together. Anybody feeling comfortable this morning? Yeah, I don't got my act together either. I think I was a part of that church. I think my ancestors were a part of that church. But, chapter 3, he says, everybody's messed up, but, Remember this image that Paul's given us? He's given this image of God the Father, the righteous judge who steps to the judge's box. And when he's about to, after he says, you're guilty, you're guilty, and instead of ultimately saying everybody's guilty, we're going to hold everybody guilty, and, and you're all no good, lousy, scum of the earth, get out of here. He looks and says, I have a solution. And the scripture says it was the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the earth. From page one. Don't think it was a mistake. From Genesis 1-1, it was God's plan to send his son to save you and I. It didn't come as a surprise. So in that moment when he sees all that's guilty, Paul says in Romans chapter 3, instead of holding them guilty, Jesus came to die on behalf of all people as a sacrifice of sin and became our representative. By becoming human, he became your representative. He became my representative. And all of the pain and the sin and the death and everything that we were, everything we had got wrong, everything that we couldn't do on our own, Jesus took that all in his body when he died on the cross and if that was it if he died it would have been well there's a good man who did some great things but he's dead but can I tell you you know what happened Jesus didn't stay dead in the grave after three days he rose and that's what makes Jesus different than every other religious leader president king any important person down through time because he's the only one who can say I came I saw I rose again oh that was good that was in my notes 
I'll say that again at some point. Write that down. I might put that in my bumper, as a bumper sticker. Jesus came, he saw, he rose again. So because Jesus came, look at this. Here's a takeaway for you today. Jesus became what we are so we could become what he is. Get that. Jesus became what we are so we could become what he is. So let's go back to this illustration. Paul keeps using this illustration of the judge and guilty. So he finally says, okay, there's a change in chapter 3. He says, now God the Father steps up to the judge's box as the righteous judge. And because Jesus became what we are, he was sinless then we become sinless, and that's how God justifies us when we have trust in Jesus. Justification is one of those big Christian words that is maybe a head-scratcher. Justification, sanctification, regeneration. How many words with Asian on it can we have that, we, that seem confusing? But justification is not confusing. Justification simply means it is a legal term that describes a judge rendering a not guilty verdict in a court of law. So when a judge is in a court, and he renders somebody not guilty, they are justified and they can walk out the door and leave. But in Scripture, it has an even better meaning because it doesn't just mean that we are free to leave and we're not under that bondage of sin. It means that when we are justified, God looks at us and he doesn't look at all of us through as ourselves. He looks at us through Jesus and so he declares us righteous where God the Father looked at this side and said all you Gentiles are guilty because Jesus came now all you Gentiles are free and not guilty all you Jewish people you were at one time guilty but now you are declared not guilty because watch this Romans 3 look at what he says and this is one of those scripture snippets this is the verse that you probably memorized it's probably the verse you memorized in VBS or Sunday school, if you've been part of church your whole life, it's the one you memorize right after John 3.16. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to who? All who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for what? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, that, that's the verse. Everybody recognize that verse? You memorized it? You've taught it as a Sunday school teacher or a kid's church teacher? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But where we fell short in teaching that is we didn't teach the whole verse. Because the first part tells us what and who the all is. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. Remember, Paul's speaking to a church in Rome and he is explaining to them all have sinned. You can't stand over here and point at them, and you can't point at them. All have sinned. Everybody's blown it. Everybody's fallen short of the glory of God. But there's more. As the guy who sells stuff on TV. But there's more. And, look at it, all are what? What, y'all? Justified, which means, what did I say justification means? It means to declare righteousness, to declare righteous, not guilty. But all are declared not guilty by what? His grace through the redemption that came 
from Christ. So the only way you and I can be seen as not guilty of all our sin, our shame, our past, our junk is because Jesus left heaven and he became what we are so we could become what he is. So we could become righteous. And see, but less, I'm not righteous. Oh, I'm not righteous either. But when God looks at me, he doesn't look at me and all my garbage and my failings and my mistakes. When I put my faith in him, he looks at me through Jesus. And he says, not guilty, free to go and live a spirit-filled, spirit-directed life. Amen? So Romans chapter 3 gives us this great news that we have here that we are justified. And just to kind of jump ahead, look at what Romans 5, 1 says. One more chapter over. We're, gonna, we're not going to get to Romans 5 till next week. But the bridge between the first four chapters and the rest of the book, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through what? We have what? Peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Some people say, man, I can't be at peace about anything. Now the scripture says you can have peace with God because of what Jesus did through faith. Now we got to get the faith in there because that's chapter 4. So let's, let's take a couple steps back and we're going to finish the message this morning looking at chapter 4. So watch this. Chapter 4 comes along. Think about what we've heard so far. Chapter 1. Here's the gospel. It's good news. Jesus came to save everybody, but the Gentiles are guilty. Chapter 2, the Jews are guilty and even more guilty than the Gentiles are. Separated from God. Everybody's a mess. Chapter 3, Jesus comes along to save so that everybody can be justified and be free. And then in chapter 4, the Pharisee of all Pharisees. This is why it's so important that it's Paul who's telling the story. He has that pedigree. He has that knowledge of the Word. He knows the Old Testament. So he reaches way back in his schooling, way back in his understanding, and he goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 15. And he says, this is how and why the Father can walk out beyond Jesus, even before Jesus. This is why the Father says you're not guilty. Because in Genesis chapter 15 there was a man named Abraham and that man named Abraham God saw him God saw him as righteous and a pursuer of God and Abraham was looked at by God and God gave Abraham a promise he said I am going to make a covenant I make a pact with you and I am going to create from you a nation a lineage a multi ethnic group of people who are come from you now here's old Abraham he's scratching his head this don't make any sense because y'all he was old he would never have he had never had children he was way past having children his wife was too he wasn't one of these guys who was you know old and had him a young young hot babe you know they were both old folks who hadn't had children and couldn't have children but God said you're going to have a child and Abraham believed him. So what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 14 is that before, now here's, here's what we've got to understand. Stay with me. We're almost done. In the storyline of the whole Bible, and, and this is beautiful. I was telling somebody this morning after the first service, the beautiful thing about the Bible is from the first page, y'all, 
from the first page all the way to when Jesus shows up. If you'll get in it and you'll read it and you'll look and you'll take time to dig in a little bit, every story in the Old Testament points to Jesus. Every situation is pointing to the one who's going to come. So all the way back here in Genesis chapter 15, we've got Abraham, and Paul goes back to that story, and see, Abraham's story comes along before the Ten Commandments, before the Mosaic Laws. So Abraham was declared righteous by what? Faith. The Scripture says, by faith. Were there any laws to follow? Were the Ten Commandments there yet? No. Was the Mosaic Law in 163 uh, unbelievably difficult parts of Scripture that were hard to follow there? No, none of that was there yet. But God looked at Abraham and he said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore won't be able to to, to hold all your descendants. And Abraham said, okay, I believe you. And because he had faith in God, God credited it to him as righteousness. He put in his bank account righteousness. Had he followed any laws? No. Had he done all the Ten Commandments exactly what it was supposed to be done? No, there weren't any to follow. So all the way back there. So what, what Paul was saying is he brings up Abraham because he says, y'all, Oh, this is so good, y'all. I hope you're going to get this. He says, y'all, on this side of the church and this side of the church, we have got so confused and we our minds have been wrecked over the rules and the laws and everything that it's all about. And I want to point all the way back to the beginning to say in the beginning, it was only about faith. It's only faith that saves you because at the end of the day, you place every law that the, that the Old Testament had, all the rules and regulations, they could not follow them. And today, we don't have all the Mosaic laws, but when I thumb through the Scriptures, and my goodness, I read through the Proverbs that we've been reading, I'm thinking, I got a lot of work to do. Anybody read the Bible and say, I got a lot of work to do? A few of you do. The rest of you aren't reading the Bible because we all have a lot of work to do. We just read it. There is no one, not one, who is righteous. And so because I can't do enough, give enough, serve enough, follow enough rules to be righteous or worthy, my goodness gracious, Paul looks all the way back to Genesis chapter 15 and said from the beginning of time, it was only about believing by faith. That's it. So all you have to do is believe by faith. Is it that simple? Yes, it is that simple. And we need to get rid of all this garbage that has choked us out as the church that we got to follow a bunch of lousy rules to get to heaven. If that's the way you get there, you're saying that you got there, not he. You got there based on what you did, not on what he did. So does that mean that once I accept the Lord and have faith, I can live however I want to? Heck no, because 
and I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself with the rest of the book of Romans, but the rest of the book of Romans is going to tell us that when we make that decision and we realize what he did on the cross, we're going to want to walk right. We're going to want to talk right. The Holy Spirit's going to be inside of us reminding us and tapping us on the shoulder. No, don't go there. No, don't say that. You need to repent for that. You need to clean yourself up and anybody know that it is a lifetime pursuit of holiness and righteousness and trying to live right before him but it's not what I do it's what he did because of faith in Christ Woo! and look at this he says that the whole point of Abraham <laughs> God takes Abraham out there and I just said it a minute ago he says Abraham sit right here look up you see the stars I am going to create from you, even though you don't have a child yet, a multi-ethnic family that will come from you. And Abraham says, yes, Lord, I believe. And so Paul, in Romans 4, points all the way back. And look at what he says in Romans 4.20. Y'all, this is so good, so good, so good. Oh, my goodness. He says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises, and because of Abraham's faith, God counted it to him as righteousness. And when God, oh my goodness, y'all, please get this, and when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, it was recorded for our benefit too. Oh, hallelujah. Assuring us that God, who will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. We are credited. God the Father walks to the table. He walks to the judge's table and he says, not guilty whenever I say by faith. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. I believe that he came to save me and to redeem me. Amen? So watch this. We're going to finish with this very simple illustration. Come here, guys, and help me out. Timmy, you start this off brewing. You know what to do, Tim. You did this in the first service. We're going to take that second one right there. Stand about right here. Stand on that first step. Turn it over. Don't let anybody see it. Yep, there you go. Perfect. Two more. Uh, Brock and um, what's your name? Um, uh, Chandler Chandler Bob Jones Johnson. I, 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 I'm sorry. My brain is like jello right now after. Okay, so I want you to see this. You guys spread out a little bit. Spread out a little bit. Okay, social distance, right? Social distance. Okay, here's what I want you to see. Okay, how many chapters have we been talking about this morning? Four. Everybody with me? Now, next week, we're going to do 12. <laughs> so y'all think it's crazy today. Remember, I was going to do 16 today. That's where the Holy Spirit said, no way. There's no way you can do it. So we only did four, okay? But here's what I want you to see. Because if you get these four, you get the rest of the book. And if you can get this book, it will revolutionize the way you see your faith. Watch this again. Here you go. Number one. 
chapter 1. Okay, now you'll notice that I made these, not Pastor Josh. They're not pretty and neat and have nice pictures on them. This is my artwork. This is why I'm not the creative pastor. Look at this. We're going to recap. Chapter 1, Romans 1, he says two things. The power of the gospel. Jesus Christ has come. He's going to save the world. But all the Gentiles are guilty. Chapter 2, he steps over here. Jews, they're even more guilty because they had the law and failed to obey it. And all humanity is trapped and guilty. Everybody's messed up. Aren't you glad for chapter 3? Chapter 3, God sees it. God sees it and says, I'll send Jesus. It's a mess. All humanity. And y'all, God the Father could have quit right there and said, I'm done, man. I, I, I blew it. Why did I even create this in the first place? But Jesus was willing to come. And the good news of Jesus is that God steps up to the judge's table and says, when I place my faith in him, not guilty. Not guilty. And then Paul does this beautiful thing in chapter 4 of going all the way back to the covenant with Abraham and reminding us that we're in God's family and that all, everybody say all, all are justified by faith. This is so helpful for us because so many times we stay beaten down in our faith because we feel like, I can't do it. I can't do this. I, I hear it. You, I, I read it. I can't do it. You know what? You're right. You can't. We can't do it. We're never going to get it all right. We're never going to measure up. There's people who say, I can't make that commitment to Christ because I'll never be able to do it all and get it all right. We never will. None of us ever will. But because Jesus came, and as we're going to see next week, and deposited the Holy Spirit in us, He will put something in us that will gut check us every time. And in, here's the difference than us in the world. The world walks around and does some crazy stuff, y'all, and they don't flinch. Do you hear me? You know why, un, you know why unsaved people and people far away from God act the way they do? Because they're unsaved people and far away from God. They don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them to say, no, 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 no. And there's times when the Holy Spirit says to you, no, 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 but you do it anyway, don't you? But you know what else he'll do? He'll come back again and say, okay, you blew it. But there's grace. Because you have faith in him and God will still look at you and say, oh, not guilty. We have an advocate, the, the scripture says, the Holy Spirit who will pull on us and tug on us and pull us in the back, in, back in, in, the, in the right direction that when we do sin, we can confess our sins and be made right. Amen? So here's where we're at. So this is what this means for us. Watch this. Number one, all humanity is trapped in sin and needs to be rescued. So here's, here's the good news for you today. If you're here this morning and you would say that you're in this category, if you're watching at home and you'd say, I have too many sins, Les. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know how far I've been. You don't know. Guess what? God chose Paul to tell this story because he was one of the absolute worst people on earth at the time who was persecuting Christians. 
And so God's message with choosing Paul was if I can choose a man like Saul and turn him into a man named Paul with all of his junk and all of his sin and the way he has persecuted the church, I can do the same in you. You have no excuse. There's nothing you can do that's outside of the grace of God. So we're all trapped. We're all in sin. We all need to be rescued. And here's what we've learned today. Rescue doesn't happen by trying to obey the laws of the Bible, the Torah, the laws of the church. I am not rescued. You will not get to heaven because you didn't do a list of things. When you make it and you come in, it'll be based on one thing. Faith in Jesus. That's it. And, and I say that, and in my mind, I'm like, is it really that simple? Well, according to what we've read this morning, yes, it's that simple. Here's the next thing. God's righteousness has moved Him, God the Father, to rescue us through Jesus' death and resurrection so that He can create this faith-based, multi-ethnic family of Abraham that we are a part of. When God took him out back and sat him down and said, look at the sea, look at the stars, look at the sand, he was looking at you. He was looking at me. We were a part of that thousands and thousands of years later. We're a part of that. So today, thanks guys, be encouraged today what Christ has done for you. Worship team, will you come? Be encouraged today of of what Jesus has done. Be encouraged today that God loved you so much and nothing we do is outside of, of His ability to forgive us. Just the fact that you're here today hearing this message or you're watching or listening online is a fact that God sees where you're at and loves you so much that he wanted you to hear this today and be reminded of his amazing grace and mercy for you. Let's stand this morning together. Justified. Not guilty. Everybody say not guilty. Not guilty. Because you believe in Jesus, he looks at you not guilty. And because of the Holy Spirit that resides in you, every time you try to step over that line and go back to that old way or take some of those old things, the Holy Spirit reminds you and pulls you back in. Amen? Amen. Anybody know that happens? We're going to close out today. These guys are going to lead us in this song that just kind of celebrates what we've been talking about today. That because of His grace... We are covered in His grace. And I want you to sing this out. I want you just to, to let it fly. Come on, guys. Let's sing this morning. Grace, glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Grace, wonderful grace. Grace, wonderful grace.
today. I want to pray with you today. You're here in the room and maybe you're at home watching as well. I want to pray with you as well today. And the thing that I sense that the Holy Spirit's saying to me as we were singing that song is that maybe there's somebody here today or somebody who's watching at home and there's something in your life. Maybe you're, maybe you know the Lord and you've been serving the Lord for a while. You've been trying to do this, but there's something in your past. There's something in your life that seems to always come up and always remind you or, or creep up on you or it's like a weight on you and you just can't seem to the enemy always brings that thing back to your mind and says oh but there's this I think what God wants to say to you today is that you can walk out of here free in him and that he says not guilty is there anybody here today who would say, Pastor, you're talking to me. There's something that keeps always, the enemy keeps bringing back about my past. And I want to I hear not guilty over my life today. Would you raise your hand and put it right back down? Anybody else? Yes, go, go. Yes, yes. All over this room. Yes, thank you, God. That is, thank you, Lord. That is confirmation of what I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. Whatever it might be that's there. The Word of God says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here's what we're going to do in this prayer today, okay? The, the key of that, of that verse is if we confess our sins. So today, if there's a sin in your past that seems to keep dragging you down, I want, in prayer right now, I want you to confess that sin to him. Man, Pastor, I've confessed that a million times. Today's the last time in the name of Jesus you're going to confess that sin. We're going to put it under the blood. It's going to be covered as we just sang. God's going to say not guilty today if we confess our sins. Right now, as we pray all over this room, open your mouth and begin to talk to him. 
and say, God, you know my sin. This is, this is the thing I've struggled with. This is in my past. I confess today the sin of fill in the blank, and I ask you to forgive me today. Will you pray that all over this room, whatever that is? I can't pray it for you. Lord, you hear your people right now. That thing that has hung around their neck, that thing that they can't seem to get rid of, that thing that follows them around. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. In the name of Jesus, you're free. In the name of Jesus, you are forgiven. Based on the word of God, based on what you just prayed, you are forgiven. And Jesus says, not guilty. Not guilty. You are justified today as you confess that sin before him. Now, one more prayer. Nobody looking around. Everybody's head bowed, eyes closed. Anybody here today say, Pastor, for me it's more than that. I am not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I am not following him. I'm away from him. And the first step I need to do today is to make a decision to follow Jesus, to receive the grace that he's given me. I realize my life is a mess and I can't fix it outside of him. And the first step for you today is to say, I want to make a decision to follow Christ. I want to pray with you today. If that's you, will you put your hand up and put it right back down? One, two, three, go. Anybody in the house today who that's you, you need to make that decision to follow Christ today. Nobody in the house, so that means that's good news the good news that the gospel has been spread in all of our hearts today. God, if there's anybody here today who sat and listened to this message and they're still away from you, they've not made a decision to make a transformation with their life through you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to speak to them in the days this afternoon and the days ahead. And Lord, you'll wake them up at night. You'll tap them on the shoulder when they drive to work. They won't be able to get away from it. If somebody's listening the podcast later this week or watching later this week and they've not accepted you, God, may you, by the power of your Holy Spirit and the grace and love of who you are, not let them go until they make that decision for you. Father, we thank you today that this morning as we've worshipped you, as we've heard your word, we have come face to face. We have intersected. We walked in the courtroom and we've experienced grace today. And may we walk in that grace today and hear you say, not guilty, justified because my son. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today online. Thank you for joining us today live in the house. We hope to see you back Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for Family Ministries Night. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.